Welcome to Tramlines, a podcast from Agri. I'm your host, Tony Smith, putting your questions to the experts. In this episode, I'm talking about liquid fertilizers with Agri's Paul Gill and oilseed rape starter fertilizer with Tom Perrett. Now, with fertilizer being a key input for crops, we take a look at how liquid fertilizers and starter fertilizers can help growers improve their gross margins and, of course, help the environment at the same time. Well, that's quite a big question in terms of uh, what we're asking today. So let's start off by asking these experts. So Paul, I'm going to start with you. Uh, I know you've just come back off your holiday. Uh, so welcome back first thing on a Monday morning. Uh, good morning to you. Morning, Tony. Good morning. So the first question is liquid fertilizers. I'm assuming that in the season now, we're at the start of June. What would be the next application that farmers could be thinking about? Well, they're probably looking at uh, potential um, milling wheat applications uh, for products that will help boost the protein uh, at harvest. Um, but it does happen to be a small part of our general fer- liquid fertilizer um, campaign. The overall liquid fertilizer business that we do is more on um, spring applications onto uh, general crops. Right. Uh, and Tom, from your point of view, do you get involved in liquid fertilizers as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, being a little bit sort of further south, we have probably have a little bit less milling wheat. It's amazing the variation you get over the Wiltshire and sort of Hampshire, Dorset areas. Very much the same as as Paul, really. You know, we, we do a bit of Protol and, and Folia N products. Um, but now, yeah, the focus is on to spring with the new campaign. Right. OK. So when we come on to the, the next step then in terms of liquid fertilisers, what, what would that be? What crop timing would that be then, Paul? Well, in terms of um, timing, we're, we're looking at next spring, probably. Um, and the campaign that Tom was talking about is uh, looking forward very much now, for, believe it or not, than uh, nine months in terms of the liquid fertilizer purchases that our customers will be doing. Right. And when we spoke before, you were actually talking about the uh, storage requirements on farms. So I presume from a grower's perspective, it's not just thinking about, well, are they going to be using which particular liquid fertiliser products, but also thinking about their infrastructure to be able to use these products, aren't they? Absolutely. And, um, you know, the, the, the basis behind liquid fertiliser is uh, where it starts is storage, as you just mentioned, Tony. And uh, the tankage that's required on farm uh, these days um, is can be supplied by by agri if, if required and they tend to be in either 30 40 or 50,000 litre grp upright tanks which um can obviously be useful in as much as not just for storing fertilizer but also for freeing up other storage on the farm which may well have um, had solid in which now can be used for machinery that was kept outside or or, uh, or other purposes maybe even earn some money. And Tom, how involved in liquid fertilisers do you get? Um, well, because I'm sort of predominantly arable in my area, um, quite a large percentage of my guys are liquid. Um, and it's a system that just tends to fit very well with, um, well, arable farming, I would say. You know, some people are always concerned that they can't use a trail sprayer or they, you know, they've got to have a you know, state-of-the-art, super-duper, self-propelled things cost you know, a fair few bob. Um, but actually, you know, we've got a number of long-term standing customers that are quite happy using a trail machine. And so that means that it's accessible to most. 
Okay, so we were just talking about uh, milling wheat just now. So, Tom, what, what crops are you using liquid fertilisers on where you are? Well, it get used throughout the rotation. So, I mean, it could be an, on anything from feed wheat, oilseed rape, winter barley. You know, it, it's just a, wherever you'd use solid, you can use liquid instead, just with the benefits that you get from liquid. Right. And, and Paul, you're nodding away there. Um, you know, this is really something you, you're a... a, a an expert in and when we were talking we were talking about the precision of application with a liquid fertilizer that environmental benefit of placement of the, the fertilizer tell me a bit more about what are the environmental benefits of using a liquid fertilizer on your crops well i think the the accuracy of applying solid has got better over the years but it's still we see strips at uh, field boundaries of, of fertilized unfertilized crops which at the end of the day is yield loss we did a few years ago we did a study on a, a fairly large estate um in berkshire which looked at the potential we measured all the potential for all the yield loss for all the fields and it is potentially very significant this estate of about two and a half seven thousand sorry two thousand seven hundred fifty acres was the potential for 450 to 500 tons lost crop on those field boundaries where the fertilizer had not been applied which in terms of um, income is significant that really is so it's not just the environmental side there's there's that real financial benefit to the farmer of not losing that uh, that performance on on the on the margins as you said and and tom what you were saying about the equipment that uh, growers can use is that it's, it's it's much more accessible in terms of the equipment that growers can use to get these products on is that right yeah, absolutely. I think the, there's a bit of um, maybe a bit of a, an aged stigma around using liquid fertilizer that you need to have sort of state of the art twin lined machinery. Um, but modern spray nozzles mean that you can use a, a standard sprayer and just, you know, have one particular nozzle set up um, and that will give you accessibility to be able to apply the product correctly. Um, you know, yes, there are advantages to having you know, dribble bar setups on twin line machines and things like that, but it's not actually necessary to use the product to its maximum benefit. Yeah, and, and you guys, to me, sound very, very aware of actually uh, the use of these fertilizers, of these products on farm, you know, the application that you're talking about there, Tom, the detail you're talking about, the nozzles there. So in terms of how you guys work in your role, my understanding is that you support the agronomists who are then obviously walking the crops. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, we tend to be the um, go-to for, for liquid fertilizer for the agronomists. When they want to talk about liquid fertilizer, they will um, ask us because I think they see the experience that we've had over the years dealing and setting up liquid fertilizer on farms as being the way, the way forward because they know that they'll, you know, they'll get a, a service which... Um, hopefully is, is second to none and the farmers will then um, progress through the system and, and be happy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you sound uh, sound like the uh, second to none experts to me, Paul, <laughs> that's for sure. So let's talk now a little bit about moving on from liquid to uh, starter fertilisers. Uh, and Tom, I'm, I'm going to come to you about that. Just just clarify, what crops are starter fertilisers aimed at? Is it all, all of the arable crops or just certain ones? I think uh, as time moves on, there will be a, a portfolio of, of products that are going to be available for pretty much all arable crops. 
you know, it originally started off looking at trying to get oilseed rape out the ground and up and away from the word go. And that's evolved now to where we've got starter fertilizers aimed at autumn cereals, at pulses, at spring barley, um, because we've started to see, you know, a degree of success in getting this nutrition in from sort of the, the plant's foundation, if you will. So, uh, yeah, I think it'll be open. won't be very long before we have most bases covered, I'd suggest. Right. And, and for these crops, when we come to starter fertilizer products, are they... Uh, very much pre-produced products or can they be quite bespoke according to the farm and uh, the, the crops involved? So it's an interesting question, Tony, because there's uh, a whole range of off-the-shelf products which we've trialled um, both on a replicated sort of system um, and also on a tram line system with farmers. And they've proven to be very successful and you know the, the agronomist can recommend if the rate needs to be slightly different or you know what what how that product could be tailor-made for that farmer's situation having said that if a farmer has done a degree of soil sampling has got a degree of history of using alternative nutrition and the agronomist is aware of that and they've had a discussion then we can tailor make a grade to suit that farm and that crop's requirements all right so when you talk about you know that tailor-made product uh, what sort of area can you uh, can you work with? What's what's the minimum area that you know a farmer can consider having a tailor-made product? Um, Paul, give us an answer here. <laughs> Let's put you on the spot. Let's put you on the spot here. Well, <laughs> put me on the spot. Um, I'll have to get my calculator out. But I was I would think probably twenty acres worth is probably the minimum on a on the start of fertilizer ability. It all comes down to the level of um, the minimum level of fertilizer that we can get our supplier to produce uh, of any specialized grade. And the other thing as well is that some of these products need to be um, pre-applied with pea reserve or like the enhanced urea needs to be treated before it can go out. So there obviously needs to be a minimum amount of that to go into the system. But the, the, the rule of thumb is the best thing any customer can do is to talk to their agronomist or talk to us find out what their situation is and we can have a discussion about tailor making a grade that, that fits their you know sort of agronomical sort of requirements of that crop yeah absolutely i get that so advice is the key isn't it but it's also i can hear very accessible for smaller areas um, of crops being grown but let's just think about that principle of the starter fertilizer um so paul from the point of view let's focus on oilseed rape here what, what is going to be the key to getting that crop away? Well, the key is really, and it's been shown many times now by the use of these starter fertilizers we've got, is to keep the, the, the dreaded flea beetle at bay by having a strong and healthy crop. Yeah, absolutely. And talking to your uh, your colleagues in seeds, you know, they were very much talking about picking a variety that's got strong early vigour. But also, Tom, coming back to you, when we spoke uh, before today's recording, uh, you were talking about drilling the oilseed rate when there's sufficient moisture and also that benefit that the crop can get from the fertiliser that's around that seed. Tell me a bit more about that in terms of supporting what Paul was saying, which is getting that crop away. Yeah, I mean, I think... I think the first thing that we need to highlight is that I think farm, farmers get a little bit disheartened that the advice isn't out there in terms of there's not one blueprint to, to combat this pest and get crop established. 
successfully year in year out you know we have to tailor make um, each establishment each crop based around an individual's particular situation so it might be that um, you know if, if a farmer can leave long stubble use the cover crop you know use starter fertilizer and everything else then everything might go swimmingly but in terms of moisture you know i think uh, some people just think that you know we can just get on drill the crop it fits in with the farm's timetable and sometimes a bit of patience for a little bit of weather can really help make the difference to how that crop can establish and there's two reasons for that obviously the plant can germinate and has access to moisture to get it out of the blocks but also if you're using a starter fertilizer whether or not you've broadcast that ahead of the crop or you've placed it with a seed using a dual hopper um, drill that little bit of moisture will just help to start break down the, the the nutrition that you've put into the soil and help the seedling gain access to it and again that'll have like a multiplied effect of getting that seedling out and established as quickly as possible thanks for that tom that's really great advice you also mentioned earlier on uh when we spoke about the rising cost of dap and really interested how can growers mitigate that cost how can they manage that high input cost. Um, Paul, what are your thoughts on that? Well, the, it, Tom's right, I mean, the DAP prices, like a lot of phosphates have been, because of international pressure on them, have been going sky high. Um, and I think the, the, the key is in usage really of our starter fertilizers, whereby we actually, we don't need to apply as much DAP as we would do if it was DAP in order to get the, the, the positive response. And so, you can actually bring the cost down per hectare um, purely by the amount of fertilizer that we need to apply to get that crop off to the start. Would you agree, Tom? Yeah, I mean, I think if you want to put some numbers to it, um, on oilseed rate, for example, for an average kind of application of DAP around about 167 kilos a hectare, um, you'd be applying probably 140 kilos of our agri-star oilseed rate product um, and the reason for that is the fact that you know the phosphate is treated and therefore it doesn't get locked up it's not affected by what's well, less affected by the soil's ph um, and other outside factors which can have an influence on that phosphate availability but by putting on less product in a more targeted approach you are set to save around about 12 pounds a hectare on input costs um, and that doesn't matter whether or not you've, you've placed it or broadcast it. Um, and I think that's the other thing to bear in mind that um, there are a lot of farmers that are concerned about starter fertilizers and hear the, the phraseology, if you like, of starter fertilizers and think it can only be applied down the spout of a dill hopper machine, where in actual fact you can apply it, broadcast it ahead of the drill, and that will help incorporate it into the seedbed where it needs to be. Yeah, so there's there's two benefits there financially, aren't there, to the grower? You've got both your, as you said, your saving of your twelve pound per hectare or in that region, uh, but also you've actually you've got the phosphate being more available to the crop. And uh, as you said, Paul, we've got to get that crop away if we stand a chance of getting past the uh, cabbage stem flea beetles. So uh, there's lots of benefits there from using that product, aren't there? Um, or if nothing else, actually getting the right advice as to which product to use. Um, Anything that you would like to add to that? Yeah, I'm just going to quickly uh, add to it if it's all right. I think, you know, phosphates are becoming more and more under the limelight environmentally. So actually, you know, we are now looking 
sort of growing these crops with a very much the mindset that, that less is more and needs to be more. You know, we need to be applying less to look after the environment, but as a as an agricultural business, we don't want to be you know having an impact on yield. So using products like this, you know, in the correct weather conditions and correct environment, all these sorts of things, all has an impact on that and can only be positive in my mind. Yeah, well, that makes perfect sense to me as well. Um, to, to wrap up this conversation, uh, Paul, I'm going to ask you first, with regards to liquid fertilisers, what would be your top line message to growers uh, concerning what they should be thinking about right now? Well, we haven't really talked a great deal about the environment issue with liquids, did we, earlier? And I think, you know, just to follow on from Tom's point about phosphates, the nitrogen application that going forward that we're it's going to have to be not just financially but also massively towards the environmentally safe and if we can apply liquid fertilizer exactly to the end of the end of a spray boom going down to where it's needed no shorter no further then the environmental benefit speaks for itself and i think that's one of the top top um points that we need to talk about going forward to, to to both our growers and to you know our, our agronomists uh, and tom coming to you with regards to uh thinking particularly about orchid rape and uh, uh seed fertilizer um what would be your your top tip your call to action for growers and agronomists to be thinking about right now well it's an interesting one because i think the call to the growers is they're almost already doing it. You know, we, we've got so many growers that are, you know, starting to understand more about crop nutrition from the word go rather than sort of traditionally planting it and, and waiting to see what happens. You know, the, the world is starting to agronomize nutrition, which is what we need. So I think actually, you know, it wouldn't be so much about the starter fertilizer as it would be about talk to your agri contact, talk to your, talk to either me or Paul or whoever you're, fertilizer contact might be and fully understand what is available to your business and how that might be of use because I think there's an age-old mindset where you know agricultural businesses will often buy a lot of fertilizer early doors and I always sort of akin it to grain trading you know if, if you have a good price on grain you don't sell all your grain well you've now got access to alternative nutrition for your crops so you can actually manage the risk of expenditure on fertilizer by targeting nutrition, which gives you the benefit of risk management financially on farm and also helps improve the crop's establishment and its potential to actually yield successfully for you. Paul, you're going to add something. Just one last thing, and I think um, it needs to be said that whenever we have a liquid fertilizer conversion and when that grower has finished his first season of using liquid fertilizer on his farm uh, i've heard it said quite a few times why didn't you tell me about this before well you you can't say better than that can you paul and that's a great note to finish on so thank you paul and tom for not only an interesting insight into liquid fertilizer choice and getting orchard rape off to a great start but also hearing about some real financial gains balanced with environmental considerations for arable crop husbandry that's it for this podcast, but do tune in again as we meet the experts throughout the season, exploring the many immediate and longer-term questions for growers and farmers in the UK. If you have any questions, of course, that you'd like us to ask the experts, email info at agri.co.uk. See you next time.